welcome to this edition of the Breathe Easy podcast from the American Thoracic Society. Uh, this episode is produced by the Assembly on Allergy, Immunology, and Inflammation. Uh, I'm Mark Gautier, Assistant Professor of Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, and today we'll be discussing uh, the ATS 2020 virtual meeting and also some virtual meetings sort of in general. Uh, joining me today are Drs. Uh, Fernando Holguin, uh, Professor of Medicine at the University of Colorado School of Medicine and Programming Chair for the AII Assembly, uh, Rachel Shiraga, Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic, and Rod Rahimi, Instructor at uh, Massachusetts General Hospital and Chair of the Early Career Working Group for the AII Assembly. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. As I'm sure everyone is aware, uh, COVID-19 has forced the cancellation of the in-person ATS conference and several other conferences, uh, but the conference went ahead in a virtual format, and this is a new approach to the conference, and I think for a lot of folks, probably their first attempt to, uh, for lack of a better word, attend uh, a virtual or internet-based uh, conference that doesn't have any in-person components. I think for attendees used to the in-person conference, that means a lot of changes, uh, not just to the material that's uh, presented, but also how we interact with it and with our peers. And uh, so the focus of our discussion today is going to be on sort of what the online conference consists of, some of the highlights from this conference, but also some tips on how to interact with the material and peers uh, in this virtual format to try to get the most out of the meeting uh, and out of virtual meetings in general, especially as these virtual meetings are probably going to play an increasing role in the near future uh, and may become a component of conferences, you know, going forward. Before we go any farther, I should note that while the conference, ATS conference this year has already happened, the recordings of content are still available through November 10th. You can register for the conference and review materials uh, through the thoracic.org website. Also, just let folks know that there are some copycat and scan websites that have popped up pretending to be the ATS virtual meeting. So make sure that you, if you're going to log in, do it directly through the ATS website at thoracic.org. So with that, I think sort of the big question is, what is the ATS, well, I guess we can start with, you know, just what is the ATS virtual meeting and what does it consist of? Um, I don't know, Dr. Holguin, if you want to just kind of quickly summarize that. Thanks, Mark. Well, there's actually a lot going on, and the ATS uh, has had some time to repair. Uh, there's existing uh, content that will be available until November, and that includes a number of recorded sessions that uh, includes you know, scientific symposiums that were going to be scheduled on the previous meeting, as well as um, uh, year in review sessions that have been very well attended and very well commented on. We're also scheduling uh, mini symposiums that are going to be independent on the virtual content. We have currently two that are going to be, uh, you'll probably be receiving news regarding. One of them is um, late break clinical trials in airway diseases, which is very exciting, new pharmacological therapies for asthma as well as genetics and genomics for, uh, in children and in adults. So these are very exciting mini symposiums that you'll have the opportunity to access and, and participate in real webinar live discussions. Um, and of course, we'll talk about what's going to happen next year with the, with the online content. Uh, so we've got some, some live sessions coming up, but also some recorded material that's, that's still available. How have folks been approaching these sort of virtual sessions? Um, I think it can be a little bit challenging to sort of engage in these sessions where you're sort of watching on and on a computer. Um, but I don't know if um, uh, Dr. Shraga, Dr. Rahimi, if you can comment on sort of how you've approached these uh, recorded sessions or these sort of even the live kind of webinar sessions. Yeah, sure, Mark. I can comment on that. So I think the 
the live sessions are, are much more interactive uh, as you can chat with the speaker or uh, unmute yourself at the end and actually ask them uh, real questions. But the recorded sessions are also in, you know, you can, uh, how your time allots, you can uh, listen to half or the whole, the whole session and, and pause and uh, reflect uh, in the middle of the session. So those, I think both formats are helpful. Uh, I think uh, the live sessions also for early career folks uh, give give an opportunity for for um, more established investigators, you know, to get to know your face, and so I think it's important to turn your camera on, uh, and that helps uh, being engaged as well. And so I think that this is a whole new approach to to meetings, but I, I think there are some advantages. That's definitely a, I think keeping the camera on sounds like great advice. It's definitely something that I am certainly guilty of a lot. Uh, of keeping the camera off on these meetings. I think certainly interacting, like that seems like one of the biggest challenges. And so you know, when you're at the meeting, you can have kind of a lot of sidebar discussions. You can come up, come up to folks kind of after a presentation or find folks in the poster hall. Um, obviously you can't, can't really do that this year. Are there some approaches, you know, especially for younger folks in terms of networking that you could think of or or how, how are folks approaching that this year? Thanks, Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to discuss that. And uh, for, for early career investigators, there is a concern that online uh, format may make networking uh, more difficult. There are definitely pros and, and cons uh, to, this, to this change, but I think that all of us are learning how to take advantage of the, the pros, and I would uh, second what Rachel uh, said that, you know, in fact, the, you know, the, the live, live webinars um, in a small format would you know, encourage people to not be afraid to have their camera on, uh, to interact um, uh, with the speaker and ask questions. And often in a small webinar format, in, uh, for an early career person, uh, interacting that format might be less intimidating than approaching them uh, uh, at a meeting. And so as we're all learning kind of new techniques to, to take advantage of the pros the online uh, form, I just encourage people to not be afraid during these live um, uh, sessions to keep their camera on, uh, to ask questions. And often you get the opportunity to engage with someone that's a very senior individual in your field and they get to know you and then it, it serves the same purpose of uh, networking for early career folks. That's great, that's great advice. Is there, uh, have folks had, success using social media platforms like Twitter as another kind of way to try to engage around kind of the virtual meeting content. I, I have a Twitter account, but I don't use it a lot. But for folks who, who do, is, is that has that been a, a useful approach? I think so. I think uh, more and more social media is becoming a nice way for scientists to communicate with each other. And it's in a, a way at an ideal level playing field where a graduate student, a postdoc, a very early career person can ask uh, a question uh, in, a, in a tweet uh, to a, a senior investigator and, and have an interesting conversation on a scientific topic that um, provides exactly the same kind of interaction that you can get um, uh, via a live uh, meeting. And in fact, for many people, can be can be a less intimidating way of interacting with people who are prominent people in their field. Yeah, actually, Mark, um the ATS-wide Members in Transition and Training, or the MEC Committee, uh, has put out a lot of uh, tweet, they call them tweet chats, 
uh, on certain topics that help early career investigators, uh, as well as on COVID-related topics. Uh, so it's definitely a way to talk to other members of the ATS, uh, both early career and also interact with um, some senior colleagues. You know, Mark, the, um, one of the things is the, the interaction of live webinars with Tweet. That's something that we've done at the ATS in which, for example, the webinar is ongoing and people are uh, putting on questions and comments via Twitter. So I think there's all these um, dynamic interactions happening across the social media platforms. So it's sort of got, you've got a couple of streams going on you know, kind of at the same time. Kind of getting to the, to the meeting this year, um, so it's one of the big questions, obviously, that a lot of, a lot of planning went into the, uh, the in-person meeting that ended up not happening. Um, what, what did end up getting programmed out of the in-person meeting into the virtual meeting uh, this year? What can folks expect to see when they, when they register and, and log on to the virtual meeting? Right. So, uh, as you said, Mark, a lot, of, a lot of work went into planning the Philadelphia meeting, and unfortunately, it did not happen. So, but a lot of work is going into making sure that we have a successful um, meeting next year, whichever format that might be. Um, there were several symposiums that eventually went and, and are scheduled as part of the uh, online content right now. Um, two of them, as I mentioned earlier, are going to be scheduled independent of the content. And then some of them were um, sort of reformatted and sort of resent uh, for us to evaluate again for the programming for 2021. And we have some exciting content. Um, I'll just mention a few of them. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but our uh, program committee uh, evaluated some, some of them very highly. We have, uh, for example, some of them talking about controlling inflammation and resolution in lung injury and in COVID-19, which would be very exciting to a lot of people. Um, we have two uh, mini symposiums on asthma. One of them is an update from three guidelines co uh, committees, uh, GINA, DNA APP guidelines, and, and the ATS ERS. Uh, we'll also have one talking about uh, use of smart therapy, which is uh, as needed inhaled corticosteroids with long-acting bronchodilators. And then uh, another one that should be very exciting to a lot of people is um, beyond alumin capsular polysaccharides. So we'll talk about novel vaccines. And again, some others that relate to immune host interactions and metabolism. But I think the content is going to be very broad to appeal of you know, clinical scientists, uh, clinical educators, and uh, bench researchers as well. Uh, what, what happened to some of the content that that either couldn't be reprogrammed or is that I think some of the um, things like the Sunrise Seminars or uh, the Noon Meet the Professor series, um, folks were interested in some of those topics. Um, are those reprogrammed for next year? Are they just sort of gone or what, what's happening to the, some of those sessions? Those were not programmed back, but they've been, many of them have been resubmitted and are going to be reprogrammed in the new format. Um, I know with uh, Jacobs on the executive committee, we discussed a lot about what format should they have. We're trying to get feedback from the, the committees into what is the best interactive format so people stay engaged uh, to make it more lively. But some of them you'll see coming up uh, in the meeting for sure. So, so there's some work, it sounds like, going into preparing for that potential virtual ATS 2021, if that's what ends up happening. Right, Mark. You know, the current, the current contact, and Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, we're, we're, right now we're assuming we are going to have a San Diego 2021. It all depends a lot on what the, the state decides to do with large gatherings. So the ATS mm -hmm. is waiting to, to see how they respond to that. 
but we're going to be ready to be going fully virtual as well. I don't know, Jay, if you want to comment. Yeah, right now we have our you know board meeting next uh, week, September 26th. So I'm sure this will be a topic of discussion about our plans for 2021. But I think the one thing that we've learned, you know, relevant to, relevant to the Sunrise seminars and the Meet the Professor, it, you know, th uh, through the virtual meeting this year and through our webinars. Uh, is that maybe you know we, we we had some discussion about whether we offer this type of connection and content you know maybe throughout the year and not just focused around the annual meeting so that that may be another benefit of of this uh, unique uh situation we found ourselves in in twenty twenty that you know maybe we maybe we offer content more um uh, around the, the the year it seems like for a lot of organizations the shift to to online is is you know, letting you adopt some new new strategies and new approaches, but then also looking at how to integrate those going forward uh, in the long term. You know, in some of these, um, having an online option or at least reprogramming some things throughout the year that might have previously only been in person in the in the annual meeting might provide some more opportunities and sort of take advantage of these virtual formats going forward. The other thing that you know we always talk about in sort of our our pre ATS. Uh, podcast. We try to highlight some of the other centers, um, like the Science Innovation Center and some of the early career content that's really focused towards sort of junior investigators, early career folks, fellows that aren't necessarily sessions or symposia, but they have their own center, their own sort of side programming going on at the uh, at the ATS meeting. Have, have some of those been reprogrammed in the virtual format, or how are how is the ATS approaching those? Um, or that programming and content for, for junior investigators and uh, fellows? Some of the, the like resident boot camp, for example, did occur uh, online and now uh, it is part of the virtual content so you can listen to it. Uh, there was also the students, student scholars program, the SPATS program uh, that did occur again online and it is recorded uh, for people to listen to after the fact. We also still had the mentor-mentee program, so uh, junior folks were able to talk to more senior investigators or colleagues, uh, and so so that, that still did occur uh, even surrounding the, the meeting. And again, um, there's additional content both on thoracic.org as well as Twitter for early career professionals. Yeah, just in terms of SIC content, um, yeah. You know, Ann Sperling and John Alcorn um, ran the uh, the flow cytometers, the flow cytometry standards, and that had a really significant attendance um, uh, to try to establish standards for flow cytometry in the lung. Um, there was also a, a vaccine SIC that went well. Um, Section in genetics genomics had a webinar on um, genetics and genomics of, of SARS, and they have two upcoming journal clubs on one on COVID and asthma and the other one on um, the single cell atlas of the human airway. So I, I think you know, the SIC uh, aspect of the uh, assembly has been very, very active. A, a large amount of content. It sounds like online, a lot of it's being reformatted and you know, we're sort of adjusting to obviously to sort of the COVID world, but to how to, how to interact with that. And so it's still, a lot of these things are a work in progress. A lot of things are you know, folks are still getting used to how to interact, you know, with these, uh, with this type of content, how to reproduce as best we can, you know, some of the um, peer interactions um, 
from the meeting, but also looking at, you know, using the virtual platforms going forward to help improve interactions and also maybe augment society interactions and the meeting in the future. Um, so some, some drawbacks, but it sounds like a lot of opportunities, you know, with, with this approach. I think kind of wrap, wrapping up, so I said we see some opportunities in the online format, obviously some challenges. Um, if you had to, and this would kind of go around, kind of around the table, biggest takeaway from switching to the virtual meeting, or I should say maybe the biggest challenge and, and the biggest opportunity. I would say, like, as we mentioned, uh, one of the challenges is the, the loss of that, um, you know, in-person live interactions, particularly for, uh, for network development, but, but there, there are many uh, avenues, uh, both during sessions on social media for, for individuals to, um, uh, to develop, you know, networks at the, at the national meeting. And then, you know, the other advantage uh, that um, I'll note is that particularly for early career people, who often have uh, young families, the advantage is that you can, you know, attend the national meeting without traveling. And in fact, all the sessions that are recorded or occurring at the same time, you can now, you know, visualize, you know, listen to all of that content. And in many ways, makes it easier for you to catch up on all the things that you're interested in and ATS without without the burden of uh, travel. So I think I think there are some challenges, but there are a lot of very significant uh, opportunities with the online format. I think one of the challenges, Mark is, uh, you know, given the changing of the uh, virtual format in which, for example, people have to present in just a few minutes, is that we have to really work hard at delivering a concise, clear and concrete message of our work while keeping the excitement afloat and people getting people engaged. And so that, that's a challenge for a lot of people, uh, but it's a good challenge. And the other one that I think is a great opportunity is how the in the virtual content, we have now opened... Um, you know, the interaction and the information uh, to a place where there's no borders. So at the, IT, the ATS, as we heard on the executive committee last week, increased the online uh, content taxes by, you know, international by 50%. 50% of the online access was international, so that's great. Wow. And so I think there's some things that, we on, that are unexpected that are really wonderful. I think the challenge, uh, at least, uh, both for the presenter and for the attendee is, you know, to keep people engaged. I think that's the hardest challenge. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, sort of radio silence <laughs> from the audience uh, because, you know, of the lack of interpersonal uh, ability uh, in the online format. But I agree, I think we really have to change the way we present and it has to be much more concise. Uh, and I think that that'll definitely help, you know, everyone in the end uh, give their, their message across uh, and I think the networking thing, we have to, we have to just work a little harder uh, in order to, to network and engage and ask questions. Uh, and then I think our format of our off needs to include uh, some interactive pieces, maybe some polling features, or use the, use the uh, online format uh, to its fullest. I mean, I, I echo Rod's sentiment about the, you know, obviously the a virtual meeting doesn't allow for the same networking. I, I, I think one surprising thing that worked very well this year was um, the mentorship program. Um, I was assigned a couple of mentees, and, and you know, the Zoom format actually worked quite well. In fact, one uh, was an international mentee in, in Western Africa, and we were able to connect. Um, and you know, who knows, maybe she wouldn't even had travel funds to support the meeting. So maybe 
you know, the, uh, to go to the meeting. So, you know, maybe one thing we've learned is that maybe we can expand, ex expand our mentorship program uh, to international that doesn't necessarily require travel. That's great. So I think, uh, like we said, definitely some challenges, uh, but a lot of opportunities in these sort of virtual formats, both, you know, for the meeting that's already passed, but also in the meeting going forward. Um, awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for being a part uh, of this discussion. Um, I think we had some, some great thoughts here, some great tips uh, for folks, um, and especially as these meetings are, I think, increasingly the virtual meetings are going to be a big part of life going forward. I think this will be sort of challenging, but, but some cool opportunities coming up. Um, and thank you again to our listeners for taking the time to listen to this podcast. We hope you found it informative and helpful. Uh, hopefully you're able to check out um, some of the ATS 2020 content if you haven't already. Um, and you know, hopefully we'll be able to see you either in person or, or virtually uh, for ATS in uh, 2021.